On February 25th, Nigeria's Independent Electoral Commission held elections for presidential and national assembly candidates. These, after counting, Mr. Bola Ahmedini was declared as the winner of the elections. On Saturday, Nigerians will be returning to the polls to elect candidates for governorship and state assemblies. What have we learned from the presidential election and what can we do to improve the process heading into the governorship elections? Hello, welcome to a Crisis Zone, a podcast from Human Angle. I am Muxela Abdullah. In this podcast, we look at crisis trends across the country and answer the top questions around them. This week, we are here with a guest, Maksa Halilu Motipo from Connected Development. During the elections, Connected Development had organized a situation room where they monitored, analyzed, and gathered data on the election process. We'll be discussing the election findings and how we can improve the process heading into the governorship elections. Connected Development has been following up the elections. Uh, you set up a situation room that went through hours of uh, reviewing data, uh, trying to understand the trend as the election was unfolding. What was the assessment of the presidential election held on 25th? All right, so first of all, um, one of the things we did with Connected Development Deployment, we call the platform um, UserBay. And UserBay is uh, just a simple word of you vote. Um, we, we deployed 7,000 accredited observers as well as 13,000 more, making it 20,000 observers just to sort of observe the, the election, but particularly the processes of election, not banging on who wins or what are the results or what were the results are. We're just looking at the process that um, were deployed and then how the process took place. So one of the biggest thing is um, the thing that everybody is complaining about, um, issues of um, early opening of vote, um, like early opening of uh, early deployment from INEC as well as other security challenges um, that has to do with violence, attack on the polling units, and then destruction of uh, ballot papers. I know we've recorded that in some states in the southeastern part of the country, southwest, as well as some part of the northeastern part of the country. And um, we tried, we've also looked at um, the issues in the evening. We were trying, we were recording issues around issues of non-election um, um, did not happen in some other places while results are being transmitted and what have you. So largely, these are processes that we, uh, we've recorded and then uh, things that we tried as much as possible to categorize and then um, clearly put it up. Yeah, it's quite, um, as you explained, it kind of explains a lot in terms of the moving parts of the elections, uh, also the some of the threats that were perceived. Uh, there were a lot of reports of, for example, thug activities and attacks, and I think even INEX spoke about certain, a certain number of beavers machine getting stolen and some getting recovered or replaced. Uh, we also saw the military coming out. Uh, I think the police, based on the police uh, uh, briefing, over 400,000 people were deployed uh, personnel, both from the police and other parliamentary agencies for the elections, and the military was also doing some show of force during the election day. So in terms of the security, Although some people will say the scale wasn't as previous elections. Yeah, to be honest, um, this is my second time actively handling data, handling being in charge of the situation room 
and collecting data across the country? I would say yes. Um, the, the issue of insecurity um, has been a threat that we were afraid of um, prior to election. But during election, I don't think we've recorded the numbers of cases that we've recorded um, during um, the last election. Uh, be it at it may, election is not war. It's not something we, we always call for um, that um, show of force and what have you. But we the reality is that's what we see in the country. So I would say there have been a lot of challenges security-wise, but it's as not as much as the previous election. So a lot has gone down here. Um, aside that, you know, policy-wise, uh, the president assured Nigerians that, you know, if you're ready to, if you're ready to see your ancestors, uh, you know, try uh, doing anything funny with the ballot papers. That's had as help, and you know, uh, a day to the. The presidential election, there was that second signage of the presidential um, peace accord, which has also helped, and the state has also done that. And there was a lot of sensitization around the security thing. So that's why we've not recorded issues, much of the issues around um, um, security. But we still recorded some issues of people dying in, like, um, Okene, local government of Kogi State, in Adagi, Kogi State. And in some part of um, 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 Kano. Kano and, you know, rivers, which led to, you know, one of the things that we always call for is, can arrest be made? And now we are seeing the majority leader of the house being arrested and being prosecuted for um, some of the offenses. So so it's a thing that is telling people that um, the system is working and the system will haunt the people that are doing the, the thing. So I will not say we've recorded quite a number of cases. Yeah. It's something we plan for, but um, we were not praying for it to happen, but we've recorded the few that um, I mentioned. Yeah, so basically we can clearly see that there was a pattern in terms of uh, uh, violent attacks across the and different parts of the country and also how the general security situation, I think uh, the NH chairman was also explaining how uh, in Shigogo they had to get security cover, so also in some parts of the southeast and then the situation with the ad hoc staff, I think in Bielsa where they, there was a security concern and some ad hoc staff were saying no, we can't come out and mix our lives. So it kind of shows how security really plays a key role in, in Ensuring that people can exercise their fundamental rights to elect their uh, uh, presidential or national assembly candidate. And now we we head into the governorship elections, and there's a lot of concerns. As so, what's the trends that you're seeing, and what kind of uh, what's like the kind of threat level that you think uh, the state should be prepared for? Yeah. So one of the things we did prior to election, the presidential election, and we are doing now is understanding how politicians and political active people are putting out messages out there. Now, are these messages things that will incite violence? Are these issues that will cause uh, problems and what have you? Um, you will bear witness this. Um, the last presidential election comes with a lot of surprises, right? The results were not favoring the people that is usually played out for. There were a lot of things that happened, you know, so... A lot of speculations are coming around, oh, maybe we have to put more effort to do this. So largely, a lot of there are a lot of conversation around people thinking, oh, the election is going to be mad with violence and, and, and what have you. But the thing is, um, people are aware and a lot of people are aware. 
and people are trying to stay out of, in as much as they want to come out and vote, the people are trying to stay out of the whole thing. So I think the best thing the government can do or the state can do is to get more of like put a plan B and a contingency plan of whatever happened, right? Try to protect the people that are coming out to cast their vote. And for behind the people, we cannot, security is not just the government issue. It's an issue that everybody has. Everybody has his own lay down rules. Cast your vote, move ahead, you know, move in, go back to your house or something. In as much as here, yeah, you will want to protect your vote, but there is a way to, to, to do that. And one of the faults we had was um, the lack of transmission of a result immediately from the polling unit. And people are taking that as a fault in the election. And INEC has assured that, um, you know, these things will be transmitted. So all you need to do is to just open your laptop, your phone or anything to start tracking what you voted for. If truly, you know, that transformation will happen, you know, because we did not see it happen during the last election. It happens, but at um, some late hours. So I think the best thing the state can do is to effectively, judiciously use that particular um, app and, and also, you know, make um, use of the security and put them in place. The policy says um, unarmed men should stand close to the voting or polling unit and armed men stand around um, some meters away from the polling unit. If we follow that and also educate people on how um, harm, you know, this thing can cause. I think we'll go a long way in staying away from it. We might not em eliminate it all yeah. because it's a big thing. You know, a lot of people are coming with a lot of um, sabotage and then their own goal. But we can definitely, you know, try to curtail it to a barest minimum. What's, what's really clear from this conversation is that uh, the, the problem is multifaceted and it's not just a single player goal. INEC has its role, the security forces have their role, the government, the political leadership have their role, and then the people also have their role. Ensuring that, for example, listing as just casting your vote and going home can help uh, the security environment. And so uh, our hope is that people on Saturday will come out and cast a vote uh, in a safe and secured manner and they get to follow the latent rules and listen to the electoral officers that are there present and we hope that uh, the the concerns that people have in terms of what may or may not happen with the election that it doesn't unfold that things happen in a, in a safe manner for everyone. Uh, thank you very much for sharing uh, your insight with us. We look forward to having you on subsequent episode. Thank you for having me. This is an episode of Human Angle Crisis Zoom. Join us in two weeks for another episode. The producer is Antonia Semota. The executive producer is Amos Akida. 